Welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, hopefully by this point you guys remember our names. My name is John. Hey, it's Dugo. What's going on, y'all? Surprise, motherfucker. Right now we're fresh going into about week two of the NFL season. We just came out of week one. There was a lot of, you know, shocks, surprises, a lot of close games. Monday night, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Broncos. So it's week one, everyone. All right, let's get our heads together. Let's yeah. not freak out, all right? It's still really early in the season, but... A lot of shit kind of happened. Right, yeah. Like, I think there's things to be, like, paying attention to, but I don't know if there's anything that you should necessarily, like, fully, like, just invest your whole strategy into it as far as right now, just into week one. Mm-hmm. I think there are some telltale signs uh, that, obviously, you could think going forward, hey, this might not be a great play. One of those being, what's the situation with the 49er running backs, dude? So we all know that Elijah Mitchell went out with an MCL sprain, I believe. So he's going to be out six to eight weeks, I believe, as of right now. That's his timeline. So I, so my initial reaction, Ja, I think that Debo Samuel is honestly going to get a little bit more carry than we honestly would have expected going into the season. That's great for his value. Definitely. That's so amazing like, for Debo Samuels if you have him. Yeah, I think we could honestly be seeing about like 10 carries or so from him per game, honestly, at this point. He, so He was someone that I was kind of worried about coming into the season. Right. Because we heard so much, you know, just chirping in the offseason about how much he wanted to be utilized more so as a receiver than a rusher. If you take away his 300-ish yards on the ground, you know, his handful of touchdowns on the mm-hmm. ground, that would have hypothetically been a hit to his value, but we've kind of seen the opposite happen. Elijah Mitchell goes down. He's going to be out for about two months now. Debo Samuel is maybe your best running back in the room, regardless of who you drafted. Right. And, I mean, when you have Juwan Jennings, who's been, you know, showing out kind of, you have a good one-two combo with him and Brandon Ayuk to where you can still pass the ball with George Kittle. Exactly, man. Yeah, you can just utilize Debo as, like, that swift or a Swiss knife uh, that, you know, everyone wants to kind of utilize or have someone on their team like. Mm-hmm. So, yep. if it's not him in the backfield, though, I, I'm a, I'm assuming at this point it's going to be Jeff Wilson, right? Or do you think it's going to just turn into this huge committee? So, if you're listening to this podcast right now, chances are you probably have a San Francisco 49er, a Minnesota Viking, or a Dallas Cowboy. And we're going to get into all those teams in a, in a few minutes. But the San Francisco running back room is one that has a lot of upside. But there's also a lot of opportunity for you to get burnt. Tell me how I don't get burnt. You listen to the coach. You listen to the coaches and what they've told you. And what they've told you is that Trey Sermon, third round pick from last year, he's gone. Not living up to the standard. Jordan Mason outperformed him. Undrafted free agent, right? Right. Jordan Mason has been shooting up the charts all offseason. They cut a third round pick to keep this guy around and they came out and like specifically said we love jordan mason so elijah mitchell goes down okay tdp was listed behind jordan mason in week one uh, uh in the game against chicago and then obviously you have jeff wilson who's kind of there by default but the thing about jeff wilson is he's coming off a torn meniscus right and he's also a little bit older and he just isn't that efficient of a runner Historically, right. I think he averaged like two and a half yards a rush, two yards a rush, something like that last game. So what I'm trying to say by saying all that is that Jordan Mason is somebody you guys can probably go out and steal 
TDP has all the potential in the world, but I think Jordan Mason gets it done, and I could easily see him leading this running back room and rushing yards by the end of the year, assuming that, you know, he gets a shot at the role. No doubt, man. I mean, last week he didn't see any snaps, but obviously he, I don't even know if he probably would have suited up as, like, that fourth running back, to be honest. So he could have just been a street close. Yeah. Nonetheless, he didn't see any snaps here last week, but, yeah. I, I kind of think that it's going to be kind of that four-headed committee now mm-hmm. between the three r- actual running backs, Jeff Wilson, TDP, and Jordan Mason. You know, I don't really know too much about this Jordan Mason guy. Maybe that's a bad thing and maybe I need to learn more. Mm-hmm. But right now, I kind of think that the person who's going to see the most upside from this is going to be Jeff Wilson and Debo, 100%. I think so, so. I would say those are probably going to be... At least right now, you're two probably startable. I, I guess I would say Jeff Wilson would be the startable running back out of this committee, at least right now. And then I would go Debo Samuel. Obviously, I mean, he's just going to get more value because of this. He's obviously starting. Mm-hmm. See, like, the Niners scheme is like a zone run kind of kind of scheme, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't know how fast Jeff Wilson is to run that scheme the way they've historically had it ran. Like, Elijah Mitchell has speed. Raheem Mostert, obviously, before him had speed. Tevin Coleman had speed. Mm-hmm. Like, when I look at speed, I mean, I think Jordan Mason's faster than TDP. Uh, he's definitely faster than TDP. And I am I think he's also a lot speedier, at least on the field, than Jeff Wilson. So I think he's going to really show out in this game because it's kind of tailor-made to his skill set. My hot take of the year, uh, Jordan Mason's going to be a guy. And he's going to carry a lot of you guys to a lot of close victories. And he's someone that you should go out and get. Ooh, I burned my finger on that hot take. And that's who I would invest my fab into. I don't know, maybe 5-7% of my fab into Jordan Mason. Keep him on my bench if I can hold for two weeks. And, uh, you know, kind of take in those profits later on down the season. No doubt, man. I mean, right now, I just... I feel like they're just going to go with the veteran presence. That's just kind of my first instincts on the whole thing. And with TDP, I mean, he didn't even log anything last week either. He was out as well. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, Jordan Mason, like I said, I don't know too much about him. So we'll see what happens with him. But, I mean, right now I would just say the safe bet would be Jeff Wilson. I mean, that's just... I feel like that's almost a no-brainer for me right now. That's fair enough. I, I respect that. And I think Jeff Wilson gets a crack at it first. So Right, exactly. And so I just think, you know, maybe if he just, if he is game-planned into the scheme right away and not, you know, that second back. And so, I don't know, he maybe didn't have the right mojo or whatever going into this first week. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I mean, week ones are typically anomalies for some people. So who knows what happens. We'll see. I'm really excited for this week two, though. What I'm not really excited for, the Dallas Cowboys. Dog, they lose Dak Prescott week one for, I mean, I see reports now coming between like six to like ten weeks damn near. Like, no one really knows with this timeline. It's kind of interesting. I just, I'm getting like a weird feeling about CeeDee Lamb just because I don't really trust Cooper. Cooper I don't. Rush? I don't trust Cooper Rush as a quarterback, and so I just think that in the grand scheme of things, it's just going to hurt a lot of those values on the team. I mean, if you don't have a usable quarterback, yeah, like you can still double up on a C.D. Lamb for now until 
you know, maybe Michael Gallup comes back in a few weeks and you have to kind of give him a little more attention. Are you holding Michael Gallup if you've stashed him away in your on your bench? Yeah, I mean, at some point, I think that he's going to be the person that I can utilize for a playoff run. If you see a guy that you like week one, and let's say hypothetically Michael Gallup is just, you know, just chilling on your bench, and you really want a guy, and this is your last roster spot, and you have to decide between an inactive, an inactive Michael Gallup or this potential week one gem, do you take... Michael Gallup, or do you take the gym? Well, I mean, assuming I don't have any injury reserve spots available or anything like that, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'd probably still go with Michael Gallup. Okay. Fair I enough. just think, like I said, if I'm going to be looking towards the playoffs, I mean, this guy might be a gem, but I'm probably going to have to give up either if I don't have the roster spot or if I don't have the waiver spot for it or if I don't have the fab to really give up for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm pretty content with. Michael Gallup coming back in two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of pressure off of CD and that whole offense in general. Mm-hmm. So I just like that. And especially with Dak coming back, you know, maybe in six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I like the upside with Michael Gallup, man. Especially when it's down the line for, uh, you know, for a playoff spot. Because yeah. if you've drafted Michael Gallup, you obviously didn't draft him with super high capital. Mm-hmm. So you probably already have startable wide receivers. Yeah, no so, way he's he should not be somebody that you're relying on right now. Yeah, so I just think he's just going to be a really great supplemental piece down the line. And I just think that someone someone's going to have an open uh, injury reserve spot in your league. They'll pick him up right away, and then, I mean, then you just lose your stash. I wouldn't do that. So are you selling C.D. Lamb, though? You know, that's a little, that's a little interesting for me right now. I don't know if I'm really selling him because... I feel like everyone else in your league is probably going to be buying him for lower than what his actual value is going to be once Dak gets back. I, Me personally, I stand like this. Wherever you have Amari Cooper ranked, CeeDee Lamb should not be more than five spots ahead or behind Amari Cooper. So you think they're about the same value right now? You can't make an excuse to me that they're not because they're both getting hyper-targeted. Mm-hmm. They're both going to be the number one on a kind of weird passing offense. Right. If anything, you can make the argument that Jacoby Brissett's going to be better than Cooper, Cooper Rush. Rush or, you know, whoever the fuck else they get off waivers, like right. Ben DiNucci. You know? So it's like, if you are low on Amari Cooper, you can't sell me on being high for CeeDee Lamb still. No, I don't. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if I'm going to be selling CeeDee Lamb. Like, I feel like I'm going to be taking a huge hit on that. Like, I just drafted this guy probably in the second round. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be trying to sell this guy for... I mean, like, if I could get, like... Not for cheap. Not for pennies on the dollar. No, like, I feel like I'd be having to accept, like, something... Which, it wouldn't be bad, but, like, a Christian Kirk who was, like, a 7th or 8th round pick. And, I mean... That's a ha- great trade. He he has great upside. He does have great upside. But, nonetheless, like, I just feel like... That's a great trade. Hey! If you guys are enjoying the episode, do us a favor and go ahead and give us a follow on whatever audio platform you're currently streaming on. It goes a long way towards supporting the show, and it lets us know that you guys enjoy the content. Uh, back to the episode. I don't know, man. Like It's one of those things to where down the line, I just feel like that Dak Prescott upside might might be legit. And I just like that for the playoff run. Wow, that's a really interesting trade. CD Lamb for Christian Kirk. I mean, like, right now, like, their values are probably about the same. But, like, if you give me CD Lamb with Dak, 
Like, I just, I feel like C.D. Lamb obviously has an upside. That's why we're drafting him in the second round. But I want to get off wide receivers for a second. I want to talk about what happens with these running backs, Ja. So, well, with the running backs from the Cowboys. So, I feel like right now that most defenses are probably going to be stacking the box and just playing double on C.D. Lamb. Mm -hmm. So, do you think that the running backs, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, do you think that these guys see a bump and increase in just usage because they can't throw the ball as much? Or do you think that they go down because they can't run the ball worth a shit? I think that it's a really... Man, that's super hard to project. I don't... I think Zeke is obviously going to get fed, and he's going to get his 13 to 17 touches a game, if not more. I'd say damn near... I feel like with passing, I think that he could probably touch the ball around like 22 times per game. I think that at some point, if you're going to move the ball, you need explosion. So you need your backup quarterback to make some explosive throws every once in a while. You need explosive runs, and you need explosive weapons. And when I think about explosion and big play potential, I think of Tony Pollard. So the reason I think Tony Pollard is potentially a better value than Ezekiel Elliott right now, and I'll say it once again, I think that Tony Pollard is a better value than Ezekiel Elliott right now. I think that you have to think about his upside, because you want all the upside you can potentially get if you're investing in this Cowboys roster, right? That's the only way it makes sense. Right. I think Tony Pollard, reception-wise, could get himself 60 catches just on dump-offs, just on coming off the backfield. He could be one of the most premier receiving backs in the NFL easily. And we always know that those kind of guys always have a living in fantasy. Yeah. But when you think about him out of the backfield, too, he's also just flat-out just... He's a more explosive runner than Zeke at this point, and he's going to get his carries. And those carries, even if they add up for 500 yards in the season... That's that boost you need to rank him into, you know, nice RB2 territory for your fantasy team. No doubt, man. I mean, so the reason why I'm kind of low on Cooper Rush, I mean, I feel like we should explain this. I mean, so last year he did play a really, really good game against the Vikings. I don't know if anyone really remembers all that, but it happened week eight. And the guy threw for 325, two touchdowns and an interception. That was off 24 uh, completions, 40 attempts. Damn. Yeah, so, like, they still zoot the ball out. But last year, you have to think that that Minnesota defense, especially their secondary, was lackluster, to say the least. So, I just don't know, especially going against the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Like, you're going to have Trey Hendrickson rushing them against, you know, this Tyler Smith, who held up pretty well this past week for being a rookie. But, I mean, you got some dogs coming at him mm-hmm. when he's uh, going back to pass. And then you also have the secondary, which is getting better and better. You have Jesse Bates. You have all those people in the back. I mean, I just feel like it's going to be really interesting, man. Man, that's going to be insane. There's so much that happens in week one to where, obviously, you can't take it all seriously. But you also can't underrate the things that are important. And, like, some of the things that are important are target share, for example. Right. Justin Jefferson had a fucking crazy target share in the game against the Packers on Sunday. Oh, dude, it was kind of like what you predicted once you went to training camp where he damn near got like one in three attempts. Yeah, his target share was crazy. If you draft the Justin Jefferson, you probably got him as a steal. 
unless you you know obviously you reached a little bit earlier but you probably you probably got them in the middle of your first rounds and I think the community all kind of came to a consensus that he had the potential to be the best wide receiver in all of fantasy football. We saw Cooper Cup do what Cooper Cup does. He got his 12 catches for 100-something yards. You know, he, he, he did what he's always going to do. But one thing about Justin Jefferson that really separated him from Cooper Cup, at least in my opinion, was not only what was going to be probably Justin Jefferson's average death of target, I say that word a lot, dot. That's important because he's getting deeper passes, easier yards, easier bonuses for you in your fantasy leagues, things like that. And I think that right now he's on pace. I think he's going to have a historic year this year. And uh, if you have him on your team, you're probably set up well because you might have been able to sneak around and grab somebody uh, in the second round. But all, I say all that to say Justin Jefferson's a man. He's a beast. What do you think about the Vikings? Yeah, man. I mean, I I can't stress this enough as a Packers fan. I absolutely hate the Vikings, and I hated what I saw this weekend. But one thing I did see was Justin Jefferson's a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Sandlot movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that type of dog. Like, that's what Justin Jefferson is, all right? He'll eat your lunch, and then he'll go over to your boy's house and eat their lunch. And so on and so forth. I mean, this guy had damn near 40 points in the first week, dude. Like, this guy is going to be, I think, a beast going forward. Teams are going to have to scheme for him, unlike the Packers fucking did. And it's just going to be one of those things to where I think we're going to see him get damn near 100 yards every game. Probably a tutty. I, I think he's a lock for the rest of the year, and he could be a lock for... Offensive player of the year and et cetera, et cetera. MVP potentially. Damn near, dude. If he can perform like he can, like he has, like it has to be in consideration. Justin Jefferson is the kind of like NFL superstar that ends up on like the front of cereal boxes and shit. Yeah, man. I think, like, I know, like, I was just saying, hey guys, like, let's not freak out, but like, this is one of the things that I think is just kind of it's stapled in now. Like, we kind of knew it going into the season, but. This is definitely a lock, folks. I mean... He had 10 more points than Cooper Cup last week. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But, no, I guess, say all that to say, having elite players on your fantasy teams is what wins you fantasy championships. Damn near, dude. That's exactly what you gotta do. Yeah, you can't put blind faith or blind hate into uh, any sort of, like, fantasy player unless they've shown you time and time again that they either... They're gonna pull out of it... Or they're cam makers. Oh. I don't fucking trust cam makers, but I feel like he's going to end up making some crazy rebound this year. Well, dog, I feel like he will as well. I think right now, let's just get our heads together here quick. So they went against the Bills who have probably a top five defense. Okay. And, yeah, like they shut down that whole team. Like it wasn't just cam makers. Like Cooper Cup got his toddy. That was sick. But batches, yeah. Stafford threw, like, three interceptions, and it was just a complete wreck for the whole uh, team. Mm-hmm. So I think the K-Makers really excels with downhill running. They never really got a chance to do that because they were down bad early, so they had to pass the ball. Yep. That's why Daryl Henderson got a shit ton more work than what he probably would have mm-hmm. if they could have ran the ball effectively and if they weren't down bad. Facts. So, I just think going forward, I mean, if we look at their schedule, they're going to have favorable matchups. 
Mm-hmm. I think that Cam Akers right now, he's not anyone that you have to think, oh, shoot, like, he was a total bust. I think if you drafted him... You got to hold. Yeah, you definitely have to hold. I mean, obviously, you drafted him in, like, the damn near, like, second or third round, probably. Yeah. And him putting up a donut definitely hurts, all right? Don't drop Cam Akers yet. Like, don't drop Cam Akers. Like, you hold on to that. You give it two to three weeks, see what happens. If it doesn't pop off after maybe three weeks, then then I'm kind of more of a guy to be like, okay, get rid of it, get it off your team, keep it pushing. Right. But when you invest the draft capital that you would have had to invest into Cam Akers, we're talking like fifth round draft capital, sixth round draft capital maybe, you got to hold that for a few weeks. You can't just ditch it because of one bad week. No, exactly. But I do think that... You know, if they are going to become, like, this team where they can't play defense, Mm -hmm. and if the Rams are going to give up a bunch of points, which I don't really think is going to happen, but I think that Daryl Henderson could obviously be a viable flex going forward. I think he was going into this game. Yeah. But I think that this really solidified that they're going to use this guy in the backfield. He's going to, like, he got 82% of the snapshare this this past week. Mm-hmm. Like, that's huge. He got five targets, caught all five of them, and he also had 13 attempts rushing. Surprise, motherfucker. I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, Cam Akers, he had, what, three attempts? Wasn't mm-hmm. great. So, we'll see what goes, like, what's the game plan going forward. They have the Falcons up next week, so, you know, they can probably get up early and run the ball. I'd assume that Cam will probably get a little bit more work this week. Oh, man. Sean McVay did an interview about Cam Akers, and we'll bounce off the subject in a second. Yeah. So, Sean McVay does a show. He does, like, a Coach McVay show every Monday. And he goes, it's kind of like a podcast. And basically, he goes on there and kind of gives his opinions on things. And the subject of Cam Akers came up on this week's episode. Oh, what? Can you tell me what about... So, like, I need to know what to do with Cam Akers, dog. So my man said that this week Cam Akers was going to get the opportunity to maximize his, maximize his opportunities, whatever the fuck that means. So like he'll get touches, but I think that one thing that he said was an issue that they're trying to correct is urgency and accountability. So those are character traits, right? I think that that can be fixed. I hope that that can be fixed, and that's another reason why I have belief that Cam Akers is going to be a really great value for your team still or whoever gets him. You just it's going to be a roller coaster for a month. You just got to commit to that, find other options, get by it, and uh, I think come October, November, he's going to stumble his way into just massive opportunities. Daryl Henderson, like I love Daryl Henderson as a player, but he has a tendency to get hurt. Hopefully, he does not get hurt. But I think that Cam Akers is somebody who has enough talent to just to have standalone value in himself. And in that situation where that to occur and Cam Akers were to be healthy, he would see a really big boost in fantasy. Yeah, no doubt. Dude. I mean, he had really high draft capital coming out of Florida State. I think the Rams want to utilize him. It's just, you know, when they're down bad and when he's more of a downhill runner, it's just hard to get him into the scheme. Uh, jumping off that jaw, I want to know, outside of all of the teams in the league, who's someone that you're starting this week that is kind of one of those bubble guys? Start of the week, I'd probably have to say DJ Chark. Interesting. Can you tell me why you're high on him? Because I honestly, I like DJ Chark going forward as well. I like DJ Chark. He had a big week last week. He went for a touchdown, four catches, 52 yards. 
uh, he established he established himself as you know primary X receiver essentially, and you know he got his targets in. He saw about eight targets. Now you compare that to someone like an Amon Ross St. Brown, who obviously is going to be, you know, the leader in this offense. He saw about twelve, but DJ Chark is going to have room to eat while Jamison Williams is you know healing up. I think that he's a good value going forward for maybe the next month, month and a half ish. But he also has shown his ability to be an effective receiver. He was a wide receiver too back in 2019. Yeah. So he's 6'4, he's 205, he's a big receiver on the outside. He's on a one year deal, one year prove a deal. I mean, if there was any time that it was going to happen for DJ Chark, it would probably, it'd probably be now. Right, man. I just kind of see it aligning with him right now. I feel like he's just, I mean, coming off, I believe he was pretty injured last year. So coming back from that and just being able to get into a new system where, you know, he's just able to have a decent quarterback. I mean, before when he was in Jacksonville, before they had Trevor Lawrence, I mean, it wasn't great. So I don't know, man. Like I I like what DJ Chark's going to do, I think, on this team. I think I have a little bit more faith in Jared Goff as a quarterback as well. I don't know if I'm, you know, like fronting on that at all, but I think that he could have some decent value as far as just as an NFL quarterback. I mean, I don't know if he has any, like, fantasy value, but, like, the guy at least can throw a decent ball. This man has been surrounded by the best offenses his entire career. Yeah, it really has. I mean, last year, I would say, would be the anomaly. Last year, that offense wasn't great at all, but... He's a pretty consistent QB, too. He was QB6 in 2018, but he's somebody that you can rely on as a QB, too, and he's going to get you through some weeks, too. I I think this Lions offense has a lot of potential. I think that we are watching DeAndre Swift do... This is the year it happens for DeAndre Swift, I think. And uh, if you drafted DeAndre Swift, you're hearing this. So, I mean, I really like uh, DeAndre Swift as well. I think he's probably going to have his best year going forward. Little scared to see what uh, Jamal Williams does as far as uh, Vulture, though, because he did get those two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So hopefully DeAndre Swift can get those. One person I am really excited for, though, running back on a different team. Naeem Hines, bro. He okay. got a bunch of receiving work this week, and I'm really excited to see him going forward. I think that, I mean, so the reason why I was scared about taking JT one one was because of the Naheem hands handcuff because I kept hearing about how they want to lessen his uh JT's uh workload and just get Naheem Hines just more integrated into the system. I didn't think that that was gonna be just as a fucking wide receiver. <laughs> the guy had three attempts running, but he had six targets and six receptions receiving for fifty yards. And yes, this was against the Houston Texans. But nonetheless, like I think that they have a de- a better defense than what we probably think, and I think that Naimhi Hines is gonna be a factor going forward, especially against the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. He's definitely gonna be someone that if I have any stock in, I'm starting because he's probably gonna pop off for a touchdown or so. I just don't know if they have the secondary to really, uh, I would say adjust to what Naheem Hines can kind of do if they aren't really scheming for that. And so I think that he's going to definitely get you a tardy this week. Who's the running back that you're sitting this week? Bro, so 
someone that I'm probably going to be studying is Damian Pierce. I just, right now, especially with the Rex Burkhead stuff, I don't know if he's, one thing I'm going to say right now, I don't think that Rex Burkhead is going to get 19 carries again. Like, I think that's just kind of an anomaly of week one. And just this week, I think I'm going to probably be sitting Damian Pierce just off the fact that I'm not sure what the workload is going to be like. Like, I'm just kind of hesitant on that. And so with that, you know, like, I'm kind of just out for right now. Like, I have Damian Pierce stock myself, but just this week, man, like, I'm just not sure how I feel about starting him against the Broncos. I mean, if you watch uh, Monday night against the Seahawks, uh, Seahawks have uh, Rashad Penny, pretty decent running back. Yep. And he honestly didn't have that many bursts of where, like, it just looked like he was super explosive. Like, there was, like, two or three runs that I can kind of think of that went, I think, for double digits. Okay. And so this week, I just think, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if the Texans are going to be in any sort of, uh, you know, like, position to really run the ball other than, like, goal line. Mm-hmm. Because I think that the Broncos are going to come out and they're going to come out shooting. And they're just going to run up the score damn near. And so I just think that the Texans are going to have to try to match that. Damian Pierce is probably not the greatest receiving back right now. No. So I just don't know if he's really the play of the week uh, as far as my running backs or even a flex option. Interesting, okay. Is there anyone that you're kind of looking at sitting this week who, again, just one of those bubble players? Uh, Probably on the same. I mean, Damian Pierce, obviously. Uh. I would say Trey Lance is borderline there, but I kind of like Trey Lance more than, like, the consensus. I think he played a really rough game at Chicago, and anyone was going to struggle in that game. But I think that playing Seattle this week, I know we saw Seattle kind of bounce back in a way right. uh, against the Denver Broncos, and there's all this faith and this energy that I think that they'll carry and they'll be a good 6-7-1 team. Sure. But uh, I don't, you don't think that this is one of them. <laughs> I don't think this is one of them. I think that uh, Trey Lance is going to come out on a mission, and they're going to make it a mission to make sure that he looks good. And I think that he could easily, he's going to he's going to get a lot of opportunities just to make everyone in San Francisco look good. Sure. So I think that like the politics of it is going to help him out a lot. But he's also he's also just insanely talented. Like he's a great quarterback, and I think that uh. He's a great young kid. He's learning every day, but he has all the potential. He has a floor already better than no more than 30 people on the planet. And he's just kind of still learning the game. What happens when he's two, three years deep and he has knowledge and he has experience and he has expertise and wisdom? Well, for the people who are in redraft and not starting... A dynasty, obviously, doesn't matter. I like Trey Lance a lot. I would play him this week, but... I'm assuming you probably think differently. I mean, I was just really impressed by the way that the Broncos played, or that the Seahawks played the Broncos offense this week. I mean, the obviously they know how to scheme against Russell Wilson, I feel like. I mean, Pete Carroll's a mastermind head coach, I would assume, and just the way that they're able to, you know, just lock him up like that. I just feel like if they have tape of what the Bears were able to do, obviously shitty conditions. Yeah. And... I didn't really watch that game, so I'm not really sure how many of the 13 of the 28 pass attempts that were catches uh, and the 15 that weren't caught were just drops because of the weather. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe I could give them the benefit of the doubt, but right now, like, 
I just, I'm not sure if I want to screw with the Seahawks defense. I mean, like, I just feel like they're going to probably get their points. Trey's going to probably be able to break out some runs and stuff, so that might make him startable. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you never know if he's going to make any mistakes. You don't know this or it's that. It's natural. It's, it's going to happen, but I think for fantasy, at least, Trey is somebody that I like a lot just because his floor as a running quarterback is just so it's so high. Like, we saw him playing a fucking monsoon in his first game and still dropped, you know, damn near double digits. You know, I don't know. His rushing floor kind of helped him out a lot in that game. But, um... Yeah, I mean, he ended with nine points. I mean, it's just not one of those things that I really want to see. Obviously, I had I started Aaron Rodgers, and he had, what, like, three or four points? Not mm-hmm. great. And, yeah, I'm still probably looking to start him this week against the Bears. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... I feel like those are two different situations. Go, Pat, go! Nonetheless, man, who, uh, who are you trying to sell high right now? Is there anyone that you have on your team or anyone just out there that you think people are going to try to start selling high right now? I would sell... I'm, I mean, if there's one person that I'm looking to sell high, if I had any stock in them, probably relaying back to what i said previously but rex mm-hmm. burke had the running back from the texans fuck this shit i'm out Mm-mm. i just don't know if he's gonna really be seeing much of that uh workload mm-hmm. i don't know like it seemed like from uh the comments that i heard from lovey smith is they wanted to get uh damien pierce more integrated to the offense mm-hmm. my biggest thing is like i just said i don't know how much of a pass catcher he is at least right now week two of his rookie year so that's why I'm a little hesitant, but I feel like right now, if you want to get some like decent value for a running back that I don't know how much value he's going to have down the line, mm-hmm. Rex Burkhead, you could get off your bench because you know you didn't fucking start on this week, and he probably could get like a wide receiver four or something like that to have down the line for a flex option rather than a running back two on his own roster. I think that if I picked up Carson Wentz in the draft towards, you know, once again, the end of the draft, I wouldn't mind chopping him. To be fair, an underrated strategy that I like to do is I like to trade for $5. So, like, if I have a player who people may not want to trade a player for, I'd be like, hey, yo, give me, like, 25 bucks out of your fab. And sometimes I'd be like, all right. And uh, essentially, you just get to stack up fab dollars so that way you can overspend to get the guys you want that come about, you know, every week on waivers. Guarantee yourself people, right? So I think that Carson went to someone trade high or sell high. Um, Though I do like Jahan Dotson. I think that they can both do what they do separate of each other to an extent. I think Jahan Dotson can get peppered with targets, catch some, run some in for some touchdowns, be productive for where he was taken. Well, you know that Jahan Dotson wasn't peppered with targets. I believe he only had, like, four targets, and he caught two of them for touchdowns. Like Five like, targets? Yeah, five targets, two for tardies. Like, that's cool, but, like, I don't know. That's not anything that I really want to, like... He out-targeted Terry McLaurin, who only had four targets. Right, and, like, I have been trying to emphasize all episode, this is week one, folks. All right. Let's yo, not Curtis overreact. Samuel. Curtis Samuel had 11 targets. Yeah, so. guys. All right, like... <laughs> yo, what if Curtis I, Samuel went crazy? Yo, like, if Curtis Samuel goes high... Dude, if, why does he yo, have the team? Yo. Dude. It's crazy. All right, it's week one. Let's not overreact, folks. 
We got another really big week two coming up. We got a lot of great matchups. If you're looking to buy someone low right now, I think Hayden Hurst might be your dude. You don't say. You don't say. I think that Hayden Hurst, especially, especially if old T. Higgins is out this week, I think that Hayden Hurst, who was actually peppered with targets this week, would uh, be a great addition to your team. Uh, right now, he's only rostered in 22% of the leagues. And this past week, he was targeted eight times, had five receptions for 46 yards. So I don't think that that's going to be changing anytime soon. I mean, he's the tight end one on that team. And if we saw anything from last year, they did actually use CJ Uzama a decent amount. So I think that Hayden Hurst, especially being the young stud he is, yes, he's 29, but only four years in the league, I think that he's going to be a great addition to this team. And Ja, anyone that you're buying low? Uh, Devin Duvernay. For sure, man. I feel like he's probably the same position, probably going to be one of those big waiver hunts this week. I mean, obviously, if he's not waiver right now in your league, he probably will be by the end. You know, probably before you hear this episode, but nonetheless. Dontro Hilliard is someone I like a lot, too, for handcuff value. Okay. Uh, I would go and get Dontro Hilliard because I don't think that it's a mistake that he's as involved as he is week one. Like, I think that's a, con- that's a conceded effort from the coaching staff to involve him for whatever reason. What do you mean by involvement? Because what I'm looking at is 18% of the snap share. And he only had two attempts and four targets. Yes, two of those were for touchdowns, but he only was involved in six plays in the game. Okay, that's fair enough. He got about five or six touches. But I do think that his explosiveness really showed. I think that he had a kind of a statement game in game one where I know he got the two lucky touchdowns, as you would call them. But when you even want to look at what he did on the ground, I mean, he averaged around 20 yards a catch. That's obviously probably mostly due to a big play. Uh, but Dontro Hilliard is someone who's explosive. He's a sizable back at 5'11", 202, so he's no scrub. He's not like some beta male, like, running back. Oh, okay. But uh, he's also somebody who's a vet. And, like, Derrick Henry is obviously going to be the guy and always will be the guy. But the Titans are one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL every single year. Dog, right. Even if Derrick Henry loses 10%, 15% of his work, he's still going to lead most categories in attempts and rushing yards and everything that you want to see from a running back who you might have drafted in the first round. No doubt, man. I mean, there's obviously... I think he has really good receiving upside. Um, but as far as like just being like a running back that's actually going to be utilized to the fullest extent... I'm just not sure. These were his first two touchdowns ever in the NFL. And so I just don't know how right now is going to be his pop-off year. Like, it could happen. It very well could. Mm -hmm. But right now, I'm going to put all my money on Derrick Henry just going to pop off and let these two touchdowns, not necessarily anomalies, but they're just vultured off him. Yeah, he's got a vulture there now. Yeah, I mean, he could get vultured a little bit, but I think going forward, if they could... If the Titans can just, I feel like, move their offense a little more, I feel like they kind of got stalemated against the Giants for some reason. It was really Mm -hmm. weird. It was just one of those weeks, dude. There's always one of those weeks, and week one is always, I wouldn't say a fluke, but it's just one of those things that... A lot's going to happen that you shouldn't take too seriously. Exactly. And I think going forward, 
Dontrell Hilliard, if you have him, if you could sell him to a team that has Derrick Henry and you could get something like a cheap running back or something that you could actually utilize for a flex, go mm-hmm. ahead and do it. Okay. Absolutely. I see where you're taking it. Yo, uh, we appreciate you guys for listening in. This is our first episode into the actual NFL season. So we're still tweaking some things around. Uh, remember, we also will be dropping on Thursdays from here on out. We appreciate you guys. We'll tap in with you next week, Thursday. Hope you have a great week. And we hope you enjoy the Chiefs and Chargers tonight. Peace. You're looking at a tiller, a psychopath, a killer, a caterpillar.